Father, we are so grateful for your work in our lives that, that never fails, just never fails. Thank you that you love us and you love us with unfailing love. And for those of us who feel the weight of our failure, the, the, the temptation to believe that we're stuck in our smallness and our brokenness and our weakness, we can't change, we, we can't overcome it. God, would you please allow the work of Christ that we'll celebrate and, and we celebrate this morning to be so clear to our hearts, to know that you've demonstrated your unfailing love for us and that while we were broken and sinful, Jesus Christ died for us. He died to restore us. Lord, I pray that we would not only be concerned for ourselves today, but I pray that you would cause us to love the church of Jesus that's gathered in multiple expressions of churches in this community. I pray for Faith Baptist and Rockledge that you would pour your spirit out on those that gather as that church and that Pastor Brian would know your favor today, that he would experience your power and be deeply encouraged by your spirit. Lord, we, we know that we're not the only church in this community that loves Jesus and is called to share his gospel. So I pray for all gospel teaching churches to be filled with a very power of heaven uh, as they gather today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a paperback Bible there in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, make sure you take that as our gift to you. We want everyone who leaves this place to leave with a copy of God's Word for themselves. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Have you ever sat through a timeshare sales presentation? Anybody here ever done that? All right, I'm glad I'm not alone. About 10 years ago uh, or so, Emily and I were newlyweds and starting out with young kids, just had little babies in our house. And like most young couples in that situation, uh, we did not have a lot of disposable income. And we found out that a local timeshare was actually giving away gas cards for anyone who would come and sit through their sales presentation. And so we'd heard that the process could be a little tough at times, but we liked the idea of free gas. So we signed up. And here's a little bit of, of wisdom for you, a little tidbit you can take home if you get nothing else. Friends don't let friends who have no money sit through timeshare presentations. Okay? Write that down, put it in the bulletin, take it in your Bible. It was a morning filled with all of the wonderful benefits of the timeshare community. And the whole time we were in that presentation, there was this unspoken thing in the air all around us. In my mind, I kept wanting to get to the part where we found out what the commitment was going to be for us. You guys know that if you've been there. Yeah, the pool's awesome. Yeah, the view's great. Yeah, the rooms are spacious. But why? What are you going to ask me to do? I only have one child. Do I have to give him to get this room? And the sales guy kept insinuating through the whole morning that this was so accessible for everyone. You couldn't afford to pass it up, to which I wanted to say, do you think a young couple that would spend all day in this kind of thing just to get some gas can afford a timeshare? We're here for the gas, man. All in all, it, it worked out just fine. We graciously told him we didn't have the money to buy a timeshare. The salesman was a really nice guy, and he actually just kind of let us go free. We got our gift cards. It was really cool. A couple of years ago, friends of ours gave us a couple of days that they had at that timeshare. And so we kind of got there for free anyhow. It was really cool. Um, 
So friends let friends use their timeshare. That's the, uh, that's the deal. That's the point. The point really is this. I don't like that feeling. And I don't think anybody likes that feeling of what are they not telling me? You guys know that, that whole, that feeling that something's going to be asked of me and at some point everybody is going to realize I'm expected to do something, but everybody's avoiding the talk of commitment. Some of you have been dating people who are in that spot. Dump that guy. Anyhow, I don't, I don't like treating people that way because I don't like feeling that way, especially as it concerns being a follower of Jesus. You need to know this. Following Jesus includes commitment. The New Testament is filled with descriptions of a life, very clear teaching on what followers of Jesus are called to commit themselves to. And last week we began a conversation about being part of a committed community of believers. And that community is called the church. Several times I actually used the phrase committed and connected community. And when I, when I used that phrase, I was thinking about what I was going to share with you this morning. Uh, I want to show you two basic commitments. There are many, many, many more. This is just a starting place. Two basic commitments that are part of being connected within a local church. And I want to share with you what they are right up front so you're not squirming the whole time waiting. What's he going to ask us to do? Let me tell you what I'm going to show you from the Bible so that you can see it in the passage that we'll be reading. Here are the two commitments I want to share this morning. Being connected as part of a church includes a commitment to gathering with one another and growing with one another. Did you get that? Gathering with one another and growing with one another. Let's read our text in 1 Corinthians 11. And I just want to point out how that's the backdrop of the teaching here. Look at verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because, now look at this phrase. When you come together, that's another way of saying gathering. You got that right? Okay, maybe you didn't. Uh, When you come together, when you gather, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Verse 20, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Everybody's looking out for themselves. What's in it for me? We'll get back to that in a minute. But but here he insinuates something. When you're coming as a church only for what you get, here, look at this phrase. Do you despise the church of God? When When you're a part of a church for what you can get out of it, you don't love that church. You despise it. It's a pretty strong statement, right? We'll come back to that. And humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after after supper, saying the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. 
then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, the, 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 pe- the body of Christ, those that were gathered around, how, how are they doing? How am I doing within that body? Verse 30, he's, or verse 29, he, he drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30, that is why so many of you are weak and ill and some have died. You wanna know how seriously God takes this? That's why some of you are weak and ill and some of you've died. That's the judgment of God, it says in verse 31. But if we're judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. They're not getting this right and God is pouring out discipline on them as his children. Verse 33, so then my brothers, now look at this. Even though they had been doing it poorly, the expectation is they would still keep coming together. Verse 33, so then my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give directions when I come. This is the word of God. I pray God adds his blessing to the teaching of his word. In just a few moments, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. That text is teaching about the Lord's Supper. And I hope there's a fullness to understanding that we gain from looking at a couple of these things. But what I want us to see is that the entire backdrop of what we just read and what this this chapter is teaching teaching us about the Lord's Supper. The entire backdrop is the gathering of the local church when they came together. And flowing into the teaching about being the body of Christ that we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 12, there's this expectation that these followers of Jesus will continue to come together. And that's because being a member of a church includes a commitment to gathering with one another. I don't know if you remember, but the word church from last week, it literally means the called out assembly. So the the most fundamental understanding of what it is to be a church is it's a gathering or an assembly of people. And here's a little insight that you only get when you're as insightful as me. You can't have an assembly of people unless you have people who assemble. Boom, that was your mind blowing, right? It's absolutely fundamental. You guys can see that. You don't have to be an Einstein to get that. You see that clearly. To be an assembly, you have to have people who assemble. And that means being a member of an assembly includes gathering with one another. And we see that implied in 1 Corinthians 11. I want to show you a more direct teaching, though, about that somewhere else. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you just flip over a couple of books closer to the end um, of the Bible, Hebrews is near the end of the New Testament. And I want to show you a couple of verses from Hebrews 10 where that dynamic, it's not implied, it's explicitly commanded uh, for us as followers of Jesus that we would gather with one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 is where I'll be reading. Uh, Verse 24 says this, and let us consider, contemplate, think about how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Do you see that? Not neglecting to meet together, to assemble as the church as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stop right there. In this passage of scripture, I told you last week that there are 59 New Testament commands that are geared toward one another and how we should live with one another. And the church community is the community in which we're called to live out those one anothering commands. So we don't gather just to gather, right? 
You guys get that? We don't gather just to gather. We gather to live out those commands of scripture toward one another. That's the entire context of this command. Don't forsake assembling or getting together or meeting together with one another so that you can consider, you can think about how to stir each other up to love and to good works and encourage one another. Do you notice that? The opposite of not of, of not meeting together is encouraging one another there in verse 25. That's because we don't just gather together. We gather for a reason, for a purpose, so that we could encourage one another. And that's where that second commitment comes. Being a member includes not only a commitment to gathering with one another, it's also a commitment to growing with one another. So consider how you're gonna stir one another up Growing up. When I say growing up, here's what I mean by that. There are a couple of things. One, it means that you should have a commitment for your own spiritual growth. You should be committed for your own spiritual growth. It is essential that you are committed to do more than just show up and remain the same. It is, it is essential that you understand that. You know the goal of being the church, you, and I mean you, all of you that I shook your hands up at the furthest point of the balcony, I still can see you. So wake up, wake up. I, I can see. For all of you, that you do more than just show up and remain the same. You would grow. As a matter of fact, I'm, no one was sleeping up there. I know you guys are all looking, who is that sleeping? That guy sleeps right there. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Here's, I'm thinking about doing this, and so let me just run this by you. I'm thinking about having bumper stickers printed up with this catchphrase on it, and let's just float this out there. First Baptist Church, show up and grow up. What do you think? What do you think? I'm just throwing it. Not shut up and grow up, show up and grow up. Okay, maybe not. Okay, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just an innovator. I've told you that. But no, seriously, when you gather, you should come to grow. And here's what that actually looks like. It looks like learning, hearing, encountering the truth of the Bible. You hear that? We, we saw that earlier this summer when we looked at First Peter chapter 2, that you would desire the milk of God's word so that you would grow by it, that you would encounter the truth of the Bible. And here's what that looks like. Sometimes the truth of the Bible exposes areas in your life where you need to grow. And that doesn't always feel good. <laughs> Uh, it means sometimes we're going to hear something that challenges our way of thinking or our way of living or our way of doing things. It means that sometimes we're going to be called, often we're going to be called to a thing called repentance, a change of heart and mind and life. Uh, this message that, that many people want to hear, this message of keep doing what you're doing and stay the same. It might feel good, but that kind of message is a death sentence to your personal growth. Keep doing what you're doing and stay the same. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. No, we're not. We're broken, needing to be mended. And so a commitment to gather for our growth includes a commitment for our spiritual growth. And here comes the next part. A huge part of your spiritual growth includes learning how to get over your self-centeredness and start thinking about the well-being of other people. Mm, I did that. I went there. I went there. Do you want to know the master class on Christianity? It's called Get Over Yourself. It's followed by a course called Life's Not About You 101. 
That's part of becoming like Jesus in Philippians 2. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In humility, serve one another. Do nothing out of selfishness or empty conceit, but in lowliness of mind, treat others as better than yourself, having this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who although he was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself into the form of a servant and in humility became obedient to the point of death. How's that for a bumper sticker? Right? So you've got to have a big car to have that many words on it. <laughs> Richard, I hope you're writing these down. I'm on a roll. Anyhow, Hebrews 10 says, just think about this. Hebrews 10 says that our commitment to gathering with one another is a commitment to consider or think about ways to stir up other people to love and good works as we encourage them. You should have come to the gathering of this church thinking, how can I encourage someone? How can I love someone? How can I stir up someone? Not How can they do something for me? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? Go back to 1 Corinthians really quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to show you something I saw a couple weeks ago that I, I felt was really a big deal. It's a great expression of this we see in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul is teaching about being the church. He's talking about how we use spiritual gifts in the church. And one of the things he's saying is, here's how you use your personal ministry of spiritual gifts inside the gathering of the body of Christ. He's teaching there's a difference between personal private worship and public gathered worship. Namely, you need to be thinking about other people, not just yourself. Look at verse six in 1 Corinthians 14. Here's what he says. And he's teaching about spiritual gifts, but there's a great principle he uses here. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And we're not going to get into the use of spiritual gifts right now. What I want us to see is the question Paul is asking, the basic question within that text is this, how will I benefit you? That the mindset of a maturing follower, a growing follower of Jesus, as they begin to ask the question, how can I benefit you? You realize that's the exact opposite of the consumer-driven demands of many church-hopping, church-shopping Americans most people think of their relationship of a local church body and ask, how can they benefit me? What do you have for me? How are you offering something for me, for my age group, for my demographic, for my little spot in, in place and time? How are you going to benefit me? And listen, it's important. I started off this point by saying you need to consider your own spiritual growth. You need to, but that's not enough because you're not placed in a body just so you can benefit the body, just so the body can benefit you. I almost got ahead of myself, Right? You're not placed in a body just so the body can benefit you. Do you know what happens when something is in a body and all it does is draw life to itself from the body? You know what we call that? A parasite. A parasite. Uh, Jim Johnson told me as we were praying earlier that he swam in a lake and, and came out with a leech. God bless that leech's heart. It had no idea. It had no idea what it was getting attached to. Let's pray for that leech. Uh, well, hey, one thing I'd never want to be, a leech on Jim Johnson. Here's the story. Maybe we should have that bumper sticker printed off. First Baptist Church, 
don't be a leech. That could be our, here's the story. You guys know that. It is not a healthy sign for us to be laden with parasites in our physical body. And it is not healthy for us as followers of Jesus to live as though we're nothing more than leeches on the church of Jesus. And one of the surefire ways that you can see that you're growing in Christ-likeness is when you come together with other believers and the first thing in your mind uh, underneath the glory of Christ is how can I benefit them? How can I serve them? How can I bless them? You actually care what's going on in the lives of people around you. Let me give you an example of this, just a really clear example, quick example. I get to hear some pretty cool stories about some of you. Some you don't even know that I hear these stories about you. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I've talked to a, a newer person, a person who recently visited or is new to our church family who shares this kind of story, that in one of our gatherings, someone came up to them and introduced themselves to them. See how I gave you a good hint on this so you don't have to feel guilty right now? Someone introduced themselves to them and and asked, can I sit with you? Or can you, you want to come sit with me? And I've even heard this over and over and over again. They've even invited them to go out to lunch with them. Hey, you want to go to lunch with us after this? We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. And I know, listen, I certainly wish that was every single person's experience. And I know it's not everyone's experience. It depends. Visitors, it depends on who you're sitting around. Okay, I, I, I really do wish, Richard, here's another great idea. I'm just coming up with these. Lines. Why don't we print up little paddles, little signs, one that says, I'm a grumpy person, pray for me. And one that says, I'm a friendly person, sit near me. Right? Is that what do you think? Is that a good idea? And you just have to you declare right at the beginning. And then if you're, you're grumpy, we come and take your, your I'm a friendly person sign away. And we say, hey, no, you need this one. You don't know it, but you need this one. You're not, a, you're not a friendly one. Here you go, buddy. We're praying for you. How about that? So here's the deal. We don't do that, okay? And we don't screen you at the doors. So, so I understand that's not every person's experience. But here's what I want to tell you. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. I get to hear that. And it's so encouraging because here's what that means. When that happens, here's what that means. Someone came to this gathering and they had other people in their mind. They were asking, how can I benefit someone today? They saw a face they didn't recognize and they said, how can I benefit that person? How can I meet that person? They saw someone who looked new around here, who who looked around and didn't quite know what to do next. And they went to them and said, hey, hey, can I introduce myself to you? Can we get to know each other? You You want to come to lunch with me? I want to invite you into my life. That's someone saying, how can I benefit them? And here's the deal. If that hasn't happened yet for you today, there's still time, right? We haven't gone yet. You may need to go to someone this morning and just invite them to join you for lunch or to join your Sunday school class with your small group because the, the, the mindset of a growing follower of Christ is I begin to think about the spiritual growth of those around me. And some of you might say, hey, isn't it more than that? Yeah, it's more than that, but it's not less than that. It's not less than that. Us coming together with the mindset, how can I benefit you? And let me just share with you a couple of ways that our pastors have felt led to do this in our church. We've taken the model of Acts chapter two and tried to put it into practice here. And we don't do it perfectly and we're praying for God to help us do it better. But in Acts chapter two, the church started out with 120 followers of Jesus who could meet and pray with one another in an upper room. And then the power of the Holy Spirit came on those people. They filled out into the the streets. They proclaimed the gospel. 
gospel, that day 3,000 new people were added to that church in one day. So they quickly outgrew their upper room. And here's what happens. They began in in verse 46 of Acts 2, they began to gather together in a couple different ways. They gathered in the temple courts, it says. They were in the temple courts. That's the biggest possible gathering that that church could have had. And then it also said day by day they gathered not only in the temple courts, but also in one another's homes, in smaller groups. Here's what I see there. Healthy church life includes a natural rhythm of expansion and contraction from the largest possible gathering to smaller groups within the church. And the way that we do that here, just so you'll know, the way that we do that is we do that through our weekly gathering. Sunday morning, you're here, you apparently know about it. We do that here at our largest possible gathering and that we want, we hope that that will feed into a healthy rhythm of you gathering, not just in this room, but in other environments with people from this church. Small groups, we call them Sunday school. Now, the reason we call them Sunday school is because every other name that we've used, Bible study fellowship, small group Bible studies, the way we describe it is it's like Sunday school. So we just go ahead and use the name Sunday school. It's for adults. It's not just for kids. It's a time for us to gather in smaller group community. And from there, what we hope is that you'll get to know some people so that you can invite them into your life to get to know them better. Off this campus, outside of these rooms, in our homes. Come, do dinner with me. Uh, Last week, Emily and I were were having dinner with a family that's newer to our church. They've been a part of a Sunday school class for a little while. And they wanted to know our thoughts on, on, on them hosting a Sunday lunch inviting people from their church family and from their Sunday school class once a month to join them for lunch in their home and maybe rotate other people's homes. They're like, what do you think about that? I said, I love that idea. But if the food's this good, don't invite too many people because I don't want to share. I'm not that, it's coined, no, I'm kidding. It was amazing. I said, that's exactly what it is. That's what we want to happen is that you would gather in the largest possible gathering, moving into groups of smaller people so that you can actually get to know one another, share with one another, moving even further into smaller community, two and three and four people who gather regularly in their lives around the dinner table or at a Starbucks for coffee or someplace else in this community to say, we want to do life together. How can I bless you? How can I benefit you? How can I care for you? That's life in a healthy church, that we're growing as we gather, and we're gathering for our growing. So I just want to ask you a couple questions as we move into the Lord's table. First of all, I just want to ask you, are you committed to gathering with the people of God in the church? You're committed to gathering with the people of God in the church. Some of you may be visiting, uh, maybe from out of town. I want to encourage you, be committed to a local gathering of followers of Jesus. Be committed to them, gathering with them. And as you gather, are, are, you, are you part of a smaller gathering of people that can know you and you can get to know and share life with one another? Some of you might say, hey, small group's not my thing. And my question for you is whether that decision comes from a heart that's equally committed to investing in someone else as it is being invested in for yourself. What about new people, people in this community who are just joining within this church and they're looking for a, a, a circle of friends or of individuals who can share life with them? How are they supposed to connect unless someone's willing to say, I'm open, I'm open to be a friend, to be a brother or a sister in Christ? Are you committed to a small group? Are you investing in your, your spiritual, personal growth 
And are you investing in the well-being of others? Let me give you a couple of ways to do that. Pastor Mark mentioned earlier that we have a direct connect after the service. There are gonna be tables. They're already there all throughout the foyer. If you're not a part of a small group community, I wanna encourage you, stop by those tables, one of those tables, so you can get to know the small groups that are part of this church. About half of our Sunday attendance every Sunday morning comes to a small group. That means half don't. We want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a small group fellowship, please prayerfully consider being a part, not just for what it could mean for you, but for what you could mean for somebody else. Are you part of a small group community? There are Bible studies for your personal growth there. Some of you say, I need to take my spiritual growth seriously. I want to encourage you, engage in a a Bible study more personally this coming fall. That's what those tables are there for as well. It's not just that you'll be a part of a community, you'll be a part of a learning, growing community. Uh, Sunday nights this fall, we've got a Disciple Making 101 class. And I'm really, really excited for it. And part of the dynamic is we want all of you to be a part of that. It's eight weeks on Sunday nights starting September 11th. And it is to teach you how to be a disciple who can make other disciples. How you can know how to learn the Bible in a way you can learn how to teach someone to to, to learn the Bible, to pray in a way you can teach someone out to pray, to worship as a lifestyle in a way that you can teach others how to worship God in their lifestyle. It's Disciple Making 101, and part of that dynamic is to break into groups of three, four, five in that meeting so that we can practice this together and prayerfully move into a season where off of this campus, outside of some of these rooms, and sometimes in them, we would be regularly meeting with two or three or four people learning how to do life together, learning how to grow with one another. That's Disciple Making 101. That's the fall uh, starting September 11th. And then there was just one other thing as I was talking... um, I'm thinking about this. I just want to include here. Some of you are looking for a a, a great first service as part of this church body. And we believe that ministry service happens all over our lives, in this campus, off this campus, in our work, where we live, work, and play, all over this community. We want to be constantly serving because we want to be servants like Jesus. But some of you are, are feeling stirred to serve during our gatherings. I want to tell you about a great first service opportunity. It's our welcome team. It's the people who are standing at doors or pews or in the foyer or in the parking lot helping people be acclimated. You realize what a great opportunity it is for us to tell people who are visiting for the very first time, we knew you were coming and we wanted you to have a great experience in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you may need to to volunteer to become a part of that team because you desire to show someone that Jesus loves them and so do you and you've thought about them coming. If you feel led to be a part of that welcome team, that first service opportunity, talk with Pastor Mark. Some time after the service or, or sometime um, in the next couple of weeks, he helps to coordinate that ministry for us. And that leads us into this. Those are some practical applications of this, this text. That leads us to this. The first teaching was about the body of Jesus Christ, the, the Lord's Supper. And here's a reminder of what the Lord's Supper is for us as the church. It's the truth that tells us, that reminds us, we're all in this together. Do you know that? We're all in this together. 
as we come to this table, we're going to take some bread. And that bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. All of us are sinful. All of us are broken. All of us have a life that's upside down and that's a mess. And God so graciously chose to send Jesus to take the payment, the punishment for our sin by the brokenness that he suffered on the cross in his own body. So we take that and all of us get a piece of bread to remind us all of us need All of us need the work of Jesus to take our sin and the punishment for our sin. And then we get a little cup of juice and we drink that juice as a reminder of the blood of Christ that forgives us, that forgives us, that enables us to forgive one another. We're a community of people who gather saying, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. He's taken my brokenness to make me whole. He's taken my sin to forgive me completely of it. So as we come together, the Bible said there in 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together, consider the body. And here's how we wanna do this this morning. We're gonna have the, the deacons, our ushers, pass out those elements to us. And as they're doing so...